Doug Oster, DougOster.com, just seconds away. But if you're the 10th caller right now, 412-922-1020, you win yourself a $25 gift certificate from Sorgles. And now, ladies and gentlemen, as we await your calls for all of those gardening questions at 866-391-1020, here's Doug Oster. Good morning, Doug. Good morning, Rob. I need to talk to you about something, though. Okay. Yesterday, I drove down to the studio, and I was expecting to get six bags of ice melt from Handy Andy, and there were only five because you promised one to Melinda Roeder. I did. (laughs) (laughs) I'm the man, the gift that keeps on giving. I, by the way, have nothing at my house, and the last time I checked, my mailman was wearing ice skates to deliver the mail. (laughs) Oh, man, I'm telling you, I have been battling with my driveway. It has been tough. To see 34 degrees today, I'm thrilled. Uh, but you know what? We're close. We're getting close. And and uh, just looking at the forecast, 35, 40. I saw 50 in there for later in the week. Oh, I'm loving that. And think about it: only 24 days until we'll be planting outside. Uh, I plant my peas on St. Patrick's Day, no matter what. And there's one pea that that I've fallen in love with. I used to, well, I still I still grow it. It's called Oregon Sugar Pod Two. I've grown that thing for years, but I found one last uh, or two seasons ago called Shiraz Purple Snow Pea. And man, I'm telling you, this thing not only was productive from all the way, you know, starting with its uh, growth after sprouting on St. Patrick's Day, but it went all the way into well into June when they usually start to slow down when things heat up in June. And so Shiraz Purple, it's from Kitchen Garden Seeds. I've been using a lot of their stuff. And if you're looking for something to do in this little warm-up we're having, if you want to experiment a little bit and have some fun with something called winter sowing, I've done this before as an experiment, and it's worked really well where I will just go to the nursery, buy a bag of compost, you know, throw it down in the ground. Someday when it gets up to the 40s and 50s and the snow melts, and then just take a packet of radishes and throw them onto that uh, compost, kind of kick them in and leave them alone. And they'll sprout when they're ready. A lot of times when I do that uh, this time of the year, they'll sprout right about on St. Patrick's Day, depending on the weather, depending on what we get. But there's, there's no rotting of radish seeds. They will sit there and, and just wait to to do their thing. Today, uh, This week's book giveaway is the book is called Green, Simple Ideas for Small Outdoor Spaces by Ula Maria. And all you have to do is go to DougOster.com, click on the contact button and say, I'm a winner. I want to win the book. Uh, give me that book and I'll pick the winner tomorrow. Uh, I've had lots of entries, and I've got lots of books to give away. <laughs> I'm looking at them right now. I've got a big stack there, so we'll be giving those away every week until they're gone. And I thought I would talk about a story I wrote a long, long time ago, and I was reminded when I went out to the garage and I found these containers, kind of weird, long, green steel containers, and they belong to a gentleman named Fred Scott. And uh, I didn't know Fred Scott. He passed away in 2005. But I was introduced to him through my friend Dan Cummings, uh, who passed away in 2018, unfortunately. But he was a garden friend of mine. And he told me all about Fred Scott, who loved dahlias. And he loved to experiment with dahlias. And that means, you know, a lot of times starting from seed and, and selecting ones 
because a lot of times the ones from seed will look different than what they were before. And he he selected one called Duet. And in the first three years, this was back in 1952, the first three years, it started winning all these competitions here locally and found its way into the market in two, or I'm sorry, 1955. And it became a really popular, and it's still a really popular dahlia. Uh, and it's, it's funny, when I traveled to Holland, I uh, took gardeners there to, to look at the the great bulbs and everything. As soon, the first day, when I walked to the floating flower market in Amsterdam, the first thing I saw was a package of Duet Dahlias. And since it has that Pittsburgh connection, I I, I just love that it's still out there. Uh, it has a red or a deep maroon flower, but what really sets it off is it has these white tips on each petal and man they're just they're just amazing looking uh beautiful dahlia i've posted a story at dougoster.com where you you can see what it looks like and you can see if you want to order one they're they're inexpensive and uh, a really great dahlia this is the time of the year when we're starting to order stuff and the dahlia wouldn't go in the ground until you know we didn't get any frost Uh, dahlias can't stand frost so take a look at that story about uh, Fred Scott and and this amazing dahlia that was created in Pittsburgh that still continues. Uh, the story I wrote this week for the Green Voice is all about tried and true plants. You know, we are so as as gardeners so into the new introductions every year. This time I'm talking new introductions, new introductions. And I had an interview where I talked to a guy uh, from this place called the Perennial Farm. It's in Baltimore, in the Maryland area. And and he was saying the same sort of thing. He goes, yeah, I've got these new introductions. I love them. I know they'll, they'll work. But so many people want the tried and true plants. So I did both. I talked to a couple big companies, big uh, producers of, of plants, and we I threw in a few new introductions, but also plants that are indestructible. And one of them that, that I've always talked about that I love is called Salvia May Night. And it was the 1997 perennial plant of the year, and again, we're talking, you know, that's not a new introduction, but it's still one of his most popular perennial salvias, deer-resistant, beautiful purple flowers. It'll set one set flush of blooms, and then when it starts to get tired, you cut it back, it'll bloom again. It's just a great plant. That's just one of the ones that he talks about and that I talk about in this story, and it's, it's at DougOster.com. Uh, later, Mrs. Know-it-all has a great list of small trees for the landscape. I can't wait to talk to her about that. And if you have a gardening question, I, I wish you'd call me today. You know, these winter shows, we don't get as many calls as we'd love. But if you don't want to call, if you're too shy and uh, or you don't get through, just go to that DougOster.com and hit that contact button and ask your garden question. I answer garden questions after the show uh, for, for about an hour. And, uh, but if you, if you can call us give us, and have a question, it's 866-391-1020. Rob, are we ready for a break? Yes, we are. Listen, 866-391-1020. Got Marco in Upper St. Clair and Charlie in Washington, PA. We'll get to your calls right after the break. Stay with us. Ah, uh, yes, he is. Lots of folks wanting to talk to Doug this morning. Let's get to Upper St. Clair. Our first caller, as promised, it's Marco on KDKA. Hey, Marco. Marco. 
Okay. Hello. All right, let's go now to Charlie in Washington. Hey, Charlie, how you doing? Good morning. Real good. How you doing, Doug? I'm doing good. What's going on? Hey, I got a problem with fungus naps. Oh, perfect. How can I, can, how can uh, I control them? Uh, so what fungus gnats are, uh, in house plants, when the soil gets wet, these fungus gnats start, and it drives people crazy. And so I've got a couple of suggestions for you. They're just these little bugs, and they, they're not harmful. They're just a pain. They're floating all around. First thing to do, Charlie, is dry out that soil uh, and see how that works. That's the first step, and hopefully they'll be gone from there. The next step is... We've got to we've got to deal with them, and they have these things. They're called yellow sticky traps, and it's just a, a yellow piece of like cardboard with some sticky stuff on it. You'll catch a lot of them that way. There is uh, an organic control, two organic controls, and one is called mosquito bits, B-I-T-S, and all it is is uh, it's a type of what we call BT, B as in boy, T as in Tom, Bacillus thuringiensis. I don't know if I'm saying thuringiensis right or wrong, but Mrs. Know-it-all will correct me if I was wrong. And it it will deal with the larva in there. And then there's another thing, and I saw it at Sorgles, actually. It's called Nat Nix. So Nat, G-N-A-T, and then N-I-X. And it's just kind of a, a gravel that you would put on top of the, the soil that disrupts this uh, reproductive cycle. But I'm telling you what, I, I've had them before, too, and by doing that, that drying out, Start with that. Uh, you know, you don't want to kill your plants, but don't water them for until they start to kind of wilt a little bit and see how that uh, does for for your fungus nets. Okay. Good. Thank you. All right. Thank let's you. Tr- all right. Let's go to uh, Marco in Upper Saint Clair. Marco, what's going on, brother? Sorry about that. So anyway, uh, someone who's out of town now told me to uh, do something against my will. She said plant arbovitas in late June. I said, this is not a good idea. It's not like moving furniture. So anyway, we uh, planted the arbovitas around the um, air conditioner, uh, and, I, and I made a screen so they wouldn't get blown on. But nevertheless, long story short, continued watering them. Uh, now some are brown. Uh, most are, are brown either on the top or on the bottom. I want to move them. I'm asking when can I move them and then what can I replace them with that's not as boring as an arbovita? All right, well, the time to move them is technically the best time is fall, uh, you know, late June. Uh, where did that come from? That, that's, a, that's a tough time to plant anything late June. Hey, I just live here. I, <laughs> <laughs> I understand completely. <laughs> uh, so I, I guess... You know, first we want to see if they make it. And so we got to take a look at them early in the spring to see if they uh, start to green up a little bit. You well, no, they're, they're, they're not all brown. They're mostly all right. green. But I don't like the – I just don't like the looks of them because the, the green, I, brown part, can you just trim it off? Uh, you know, it's going to look funny. You're gonna to have to yeah. you're gonna to have to take that by a case by case basis. If it was me, here's here's what I would do, and I, I'm gonna throw this by Mrs. Know It All too, and see what see what she would do. I would try and nurse them back to health, and then move them in the fall. That would be the way I would want to do it. If you couldn't stand them where they they are, you're gonna put a lot of stress on them by moving them in the in the spring because again you're going to have to 
do that continual watering if we don't get rain. You know, we don't know what the season brings. Uh, you know, that that was a tough time to plant them. And then when you add 90 degree days and no rain, uh, that's just it's tough on any plant. And so that'd be the way I would want to do it. I would want to, I would I would make sure that they're they're happy, meaning I would feed them some holly tone early in the spring and see if I could get them to to catch on and do their thing and then move them in the fall. And then there's, there's all sorts of things you could put in there. You could put in inkberry, you could put in uh, boxwoods. Uh, let's see what else would be a good evergreen shrub that you could put in uh, azaleas if you would, if you wanted. It's just whenever you're going to put anything to screen, just be sure you know how big it's going to get and, and, and heed that, you know, otherwise you're going to be forced to cut that back every year because you, you, you know, the first year it was small. You said, Oh, I'll put them this close together and I'll put them this close to the air conditioner. And then as they grow, it'll be like, Oh, you know, so we'll talk to Mrs. Know it all too and see what she has to say about that. But that's the way I would deal with it. Okay. Thank you. All right, Thank you. Doug, a couple of minutes. Just kind of summarize what we have coming up today with Mrs. Know-It-All in about 20 minutes. Well, first off, the uh, everyone's talking about smaller things for the garden, uh, for city gardens, uh, for people who don't have a lot of space. So Mrs. Know-It-All has uh, some great information about small trees for the landscape. And I want to talk to her and see what she considers a small tree. I'm going to guess 20 feet, but maybe she's thinking smaller. But it'll be good to talk about uh, what to put in. And I've got some ideas, too. I do want to ask her what she would do with those arborvitas. That'll be interesting. And remember, you can win a copy of a great book. It's called Green, Simple Ideas for Small Outdoor Spaces by Ula Maria. Just by going to DougOster.com, click on the contact button and just say, I'm a winner, I want to win the book, and I'll pull the winner tomorrow. Tomorrow? Tomorrow. <laughs> tomorrow. Tomorrow. All right, listen, coming up, ladies and gentlemen, uh, at the bottom of the hour, Melinda's back with the latest news, and then we'll give you an opportunity to win that uh, Janoski's gift certificate. And then, of course, Doug takes more phone calls. Mrs. know will be here, but shortly... In about 35 minutes from right now, it'll be time for the first Lenten season edition of Coons Cooking Hour. Today, meatless meals, and don't forget those haddock fish sandwiches every Wednesday, Friday throughout the Lenten season. And then we have Heffern Tillotson's Your Money and You, and then the Coons Market Black and Gold Sunday Show. And Jason Mackey from the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette is in Florida with the Pirates, and he'll join us after the new news. But we get started on that program beginning at 11. Of course, 100.1 FM AM 1020 KDK. Doug Oster, though, the organic gardener himself, DougOster.com. More of that program just minutes away on a Rob Pratt Sunday at KDKA. Good morning. All right, let's get right back to these busy phones. Next stop is New Kensington, and here's Lee for Doug Oster on the Organic Gardeners. And we'll give you an opportunity to win that Janowski's gift certificate right now if you're the 10th caller at 412-922-1020. Got to be the 10th caller. Hey, Lee, how you doing? Good morning. I'd like to order a small uh, potted spruce tree as a gift. Tell me what to expect in the proper care of a, tr- a small uh, spruce tree in the house. <clears throat> uh, what, so you want to use it as a house plant? Is that what you're basically saying? Well, I thought in the spring I'd plant it outside, but if I order one, you know, enjoy it in the, in the house for a month or two. I, 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 w- I would recommend just ordering it and, and planting it out right away. Spru- I see this all the time. 
you know, uh, where people get a spruce tree and they get it inside and, and it's harder to take care of than they think. And then it starts turning brown. I just had a question on this this week uh, at DougOster.com. I would I would recommend is it a, is it a gift you want is that why you want to do it now or it, it's a gift for now yeah uh-huh I would I would try and do some kind of like here's a here's what I have coming for you in the spring this beautiful spruce tree it's going to be much happier if you you get it in April and put it in the ground then and it can catch on and and we've got a nice cool spring to get it started uh if if one time it's not watered right in indoors it's not going to be a very good gift because it's not going to make it. So that's the way I would do it. Thanks okay, very and, much for your call. Carrying a house for those couple of months would be water it a couple of day, every day, or well, it just depends on the on what your heating's like, what the sun's like. Uh, I've seen I just I've seen a lot of spruces killed this way, and so that's why I'm recommending uh, either you know using something else as a gift, using a gift certificate. And then getting it at the right time. And to tell you the truth, I would go to get a little spruce tree locally at a, at a good nursery. Uh, and you're going to even do better that way than having it shipped to you. Well, All thank right? you very much. Thank you. You ever just know sometimes a call just doesn't want to seem to end, right, Doug? You're trying to say <laughs> goodbye and thank you. He's trying to say goodbye and thank you. And Well, he still has questions, so I'm happy to help. <laughs> we all have questions, Doug. All right, here we go. It's Ed in Indiana. Hey, Ed, how you doing? Good morning. I'm doing fine, thank you. It's hard to think about, but we control right now. I have all my shrub beds are ready for mulch, and can I turn those over and add nutrients to them uh, organic matter, but some people say that will bring up a lot of weeds. Is that true? Uh, yeah, it'll bring up some weed seeds, but here's what I do. I, I mean, I, you're do, it sounds great what you have in mind. Uh, adding organic matter is going to do nothing but help those trees. But then before you put your mulch down, if you can do it, uh, if you could get some, uh, you know, a, a bundle of newspapers, if you put that newspaper down seven to ten layers thick, Get it wet to hold it in place right before you put the mulch on, and you put the mulch on top of that, you're not going to have weeds. Trust me on that. And then that newspaper, which is technically organic, those uh, inks are soy-based and water-based, that's just going to rot away and turn into something good as it does rot away. And so uh, that is a great way to deal with weeds. Uh, And I know you, you might be thinking, Maybe I should put a fabric barrier down and then the mulch, but that fabric barrier, when it stays there for a couple of years and the mulch starts to decompose and build up, you start to get weeds on top of the fabric barrier, and then it's a real pain, and eventually you go, you go in and you have to cut that fabric barrier out. So uh, that newspaper trick works great, and in that situation where you're at with a, a shrub bed, that would be pretty easy to do. Now, you're not going to cover every inch you know you'll have a couple little spots right there but that's that's going to do a long that's going to go a long way to preventing weeds in that shrub bed okay another question uh will that work on crabgrass if i spread newspaper on my yard (laughs) only only kidding but with with crabgrass i've been trying to get control of my crabgrass and can lime help out a lot if you need lime and i didn't put no lime down so there's a, that's a great question. And so my dad used to say every spring, boys, 
we're going out and we're going to lime the yard. But he did not know if he was putting on twice as much lime or half as much as he needed. So for your lawn and for that crabgrass problem, i got a couple ideas for you. Uh, get a soil test. Uh, Penn State Cooperative Extension sells soil tests for $9. Uh, do it early in the season before the lab gets busy. You'll have it back in five days. Now that what that lime is doing is changing the pH, and when the pH is optimal, the grass or the grass that you want will will outgrow the crabgrass. Uh, and and but there's a fertility issue there too. So get the soil test, see where the pH is, see where the fertility is, get that you know, and then there'll be uh, information on there and a formula on how much lime you should use, or, or if, if you're going the other way, it'll tell you what to add, how much to add. Get the nutrients and the pH optimal for, for the grass. And then uh, another thing for crabgrass, there's an organic control, which is, is put on right when the forsythia blooms. So it's usually sometime in April, and it's called corn gluten meal. And see, the thing about crabgrass is it's an annual. And so if you get that corn gluten meal on there, it's cool stuff because it's it's benign to us. It can't hurt us. And when you sprinkle that down while the forsythia is blooming, we know that that is the timing is right. That's before the crabgrass has sprouted. And that corn gluten meal, it allows the the crabgrass to sprout, but then it won't allow it to continue, and it just dries it out. And if you put that corn gluten meal on in the spring and in the fall for you know two seasons. You're going to be pretty, do pretty well at at stopping that crabgrass. Now, there's two ways to get that corn gluten meal. One is at a feed store, and it's ground in a way that it won't go through a spreader, but it's cheaper. The other way is at a nursery where you could put it in a spreader, and it's easier to apply. But since it's benign, and it can't hurt us, you could just sprinkle that corn gluten meal out the cheaper stuff from the feed store. Just throw it out there, and it's going to do its job. So there's a couple ideas for you for your crabgrass, and and uh, I'm I'm sure you'll you'll win the battle. If you could get a green thumb for growing crabgrass, I think I might have a shot at that. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yeah, maybe we could do some pictures of the best crabgrass, uh, and and you would be the winner, Rob. Listen, that's a whole new show. I'm telling you, man, the best crabgrass in Pittsburgh. Tune in this Sunday for all the details. All right, listen, we'll take a short break. We'll come back some sports and then right back at it. And, of course, uh, Mrs. Know-It-All will be here on the other side of the break with Doug Oster. Good morning. Time again, Mr. Oster. Know-It-All, that's horticulturalist Denise Schreiber. And, Denise, we've got a lot to talk about today before we get to the small trees. So we've got the Marborvitas. Last year planted at the end of June. Uh, around an air conditioner, and they're not looking too good. My suggestion is nurse them back to health, move them in the fall. What would you do? Actually, I would see if they've survived the winter. And if they have, I would say um, towards the end of March, I'd go find a new place for them, preferably away from the air conditioning unit. And you need to keep them watered and uh, fertilized just because they're struggling. You know, planting trees at the beginning of the summer where we're going to have high temperatures, which we did, and, of course, we had drought is the worst time to move an evergreen. Evergreens typically are planted in the fall, which is the best time for them. Yeah, he was he was under orders from the boss of the household, so... Yeah, well, you know, she can always take a gardener course. (laughs) (laughs) 
So when we're talking small trees, what are you thinking? How big how big is a small tree get? Well, it can go anywhere from 10 feet to 25 feet, maybe a little taller at maturity. And what are some and, of your favorites? Well, actually, before I talk about my favorites, I'm going to tell you how to figure out where to plant the tree, especially if you've got utility lines, you know, close to the house, et cetera. So you actually um, figure out what tree you want and say it's 25 feet at maturity. And you look at having it at least one-third to one-half of the height away from the foundation of the house, just so you don't have any issues there. You don't want to plant it five feet outside your front door, and then you can't figure out how to get out the front door you know, a couple of years later. <laughs> so that's an easy formula for you. So, We've all seen that before. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's kind of like the haunted house. So, <laughs> some, so, you know, there's a wide variety of trees, so you always want to do your research, but... The dogwoods, so there's the kusa. I prefer the kusa because of disease resistant. They have let me let me stop you there on the kusa. Mm-hmm. How about how about variegated kusa? Are they hardy enough for for us? They are. It, depending on where you live, you might want to put it in a slightly wind protected area. That, that's always a caveat with something like that. Is you know you know put it you know where it's going to get uh, winter wind you know, at 50 miles an hour. Right. Yeah, so, you know, and there's pink, white, yellow flowers, the variegated leaves. You know, it has attractive fruit for the birds. There's also cornice moss, which is cornelian cherry, although it's still a dogwood. And that gets, it's a smaller tree, and it actually gets great yellow berries. And then you think about crab apples. You know, it's like you can pick the size, the shape, the height on them. I'm getting one called Ruby Days, and it's a new introduction, but it has great color, uh, you know, as far as the spring flowers, and it has good fall color, which is what I'm looking for. And then there's, you know, they have double flowers, single flowers, fruit. It's slightly fragrant. Uh, the saucer magnolias, I love them. I realize they get hit by frost, but I still love them. And they're a wider tree, but they're not as tall a tree. So that's something to think about. There's seven sunflower. You don't see it that often. But it's a much smaller tree, and, you know, it has beautiful flowers, and it's really ideal for the really small yard. There's uh, Cyanansis, and there's two. There's Virginicus, and there's Virtusus. And they get beautiful white flowers, and it's kind of a uh, tight tree, so, you know, it doesn't spread out. The, uh, there's Serviceberry. There's Eastern Red. There's a Japanese Lilac which actually gets creamy white flowers. If you want to see a nice selection of them, Jefferson Cemetery in Pleasant Hills actually has a collection of them. And in the spring, you know, they just look like lilacs. These do not require the pruning like you do on the old-fashioned lilacs. So you just plant it and enjoy it, and that's all you need to do with it. And then there's other ones like the Japanese umbrella pine, Cyadopsis. That's an evergreen that actually stays fairly small in our area. And Stewartia, which just has those beautiful flowers. I, I liken them to a fried egg because they're like a creamy white with this yellow center. And, you know, there's smoke trees. There's cherries. You know, there's the weeping cherries. There's so many to choose from. There's uh, Styrax japonica, which they call 
snowbells, there's a weeping form, and there's a very columnar form. Now, this, this is a wide variety of trees to pick. Hawthorns, and you can get thornless hawthorns. And so, you know, they have the pretty flowers in the spring. They have a good fall color, but they have fruit that persists. And, you know, with all this snow, they just look wonderful. So, you know, that's a wide variety of trees for people, you know, to pick from. And you've just, like I said, got to pick the size, the shape, and the height of what you want. Do your research. Got about 30 seconds. Put a little plug in for, for Jefferson, because that's a place you turned me on to, and it's an amazing place. Yeah, Jefferson Cemetery is actually at what we call a level one arboretum, and they actually have events there. But you can just go in and tour. There's huge bottle brush buckeye. There's beautiful beaches. There's all kind of different oaks. There's uh, the... Um, what do you call it? It's the Japanese lilacs. There's larches. There's dawn redwoods. And people walk their dogs there. So if you want to take the dog for a walk, this is great. There's actually a honey locust along one of the roads that is the species. So it has these long red thorns on them that are about four inches wow. long. So it's a great place to go. All right, Mrs. Noadal, thank you for all that information. Appreciate it. Remember, organic gardeners, you make our world brighter and safer with each seed you sow and every garden you grow. All right, Doug, great stuff.